0: For independent local music from all over the world, it's Tri-Lakes Radio. You're home for independent local music from all over
1: the world, it's Tri-Lakes Radio. You're home for independent local music from all over the world, it's Tri-Lakes Radio.
0: station with the best music, best, 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 best me best music, best music, I love the I music, love the mu- best music. HGB. You're listening. HGB.
2: Being a superhero is bad for your health.
1: Now that you're here, why don't you stay a while? The coffee's all brewing here on Carla's Coffee House, HGV Canada. Stick around. We're going to have a good time tonight. Welcome to the show everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Carol's Coffeehouse tonight. We have a very special guest on um, Jasmine Jasmine or Jasmine. I'm not sure exactly. She'll straighten me out though It's gonna be joining us and she has a new uh, solo project that she's calling satellites and uh, we're gonna kind of get an idea of where she's been and where she's going because she's got a very interesting life experience here with the music scene. I'm going to play a track from uh, a little while ago. It's a 2010 track. It's when she was doing her kind of like folk country. I guess it was uh, what they called it the genre of the day. And she, they were with a label. They were signed. Um, she's going to tell us a little bit about that. And uh, then we're going to f- follow that with what she's doing today. So you're going to hear two back-to-back tracks. The first one is going to be Follow Me Down, and it's by her former group, Ladies of the Canyon. And uh, right after that, we're going to go into another song called Breathless, which is Satellites, and is featuring Martha Wainwright with Jasmine. So... Just take a seat, grab your coffee or whatever else you're drinking there tonight or this morning, wherever you're at in the world, and let's get this show on the road. And we are back, and we have Jasmine on the phone with us, and you was listening to two styles that she's been involved in in her music career. The first was from Ladies of the Canyon, Follow Me Down, and uh, this last one you just heard that went by your ears is Breathless, and this is her solo project, Satellites. Welcome to the show, Jasmine. Hi, Carla. How are you? I am doing really well tonight for a change. (laughs) <laughs> for change what does that mean <laughs> well I had a little accident a few weeks ago I fell down a flight of stairs so I've been crippling oh. along with my foot and there you are over there with the common cold that's not oh. so fun to have
2: I can sympathize though I fell off a ladder two years ago it's not fun yeah. the, re- the recovery time is, is rough
1: that's what I'm finding It's. I think I'm making yeah. headway and then you know I'll use my foot for a while and I'm like I should not have done that yeah it holds things
2: up a little bit i my fall hold up this record release a little bit too
1: (laughs) yeah i suppose it would just a bit a little bit a little bit so jasmine tell us a little bit about you and your career uh let's start with uh for the listeners that are listening we have people all over the world listening in right now And uh, even a big shout-out to Australia. We know that they've been listening in all day, off and on. And um, just let them know, as a Canadian, a little bit about who you are, just to give us some background. Well,
2: I'm a singer-songwriter based out of Montreal. Uh, That's in Quebec, uh, right sort of in the middle of Canada, for those of you who aren't Canadian. Um, we do have anglophones here, <laughs> although I, I, I was born in Montreal, but I was raised in Ontario, but just across the border from, from Quebec, so um, I was raised more in an English environment than in French one, but um, yeah, I come from the country. I come. I grew up on a farm, and I didn't really know that I wanted to be a professional musician Well, I did know, and then I didn't know, and then I did know, and then I didn't know. You know, the usual story of growing up, coming of age. It took me a while to to really get my footing, and I think I only entered the music career at around 25, so I was sort of late to the party. And then my first band ended up being a country band that you just heard that was uh, called Ladies of the Canyon, but that is... That was three singers doing all sorts of things. You're we all changing off lead vocals all the time. And it was a big eclectic mix, but far more f- country-flavored than this. Now I'm focused more in a, um, an R&B-style soulful pop, I guess.
1: Yeah, and it is it is a big change now. When you started um, way back and you got into the like country folk scene, um, was that something that you chose to do, or was it something people were just telling you you should be doing? Um, that
2: band with, with Ladies of the Canyon, we did a lot of um, we did a lot of everything for a while, but there was definitely more of a, an influence of folk and alt country at the time. I think we were listening to a lot of Lucinda Williams and Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash and. And but then Emmylou Harris and then Graham Parsons and a lot of rock and roll and stuff too. <clears throat> so I think the influence ended up coming through a little bit, I, I, at least enough that the when we signed our first record contract with Warner Music, they they sort of guided us a little bit more into the country path because they wanted us to choose, I think, a little more of a direction, make us easier to market. So then we committed a little bit more to country, but then on our second record with that band, we rebelled more and kind of gave dug into the '70s rock vibe a little bit more.
1: I find it uh, as a singer songwriter myself very frustrating and difficult at times. Like um, when people say, "Well, what what do you play? What what kind of music?" It's like, "Well, I don't know." <laughs> yes I know
2: I I share that frustration too but unfortunately all marketing uh, executives like to put everything in a box and, and people I guess need to put it in a box too because they don't really know we all need to liken it to something else to be able to say oh well would I like it what does it sound like and you have to come up with a number of terms right I I I don't know. I guess when when I think of what I'm doing now, I would say that I'm a little bit more into like Marianne Faithful meets Roberta Flack in a way. Yeah. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, because there's so many subgenres now too. Like you know, it's it's it can get confusing. And uh, but I mean, you have to label it with something because music it evolves, it changes, it takes like um, influences from a certain decade or era and a, a certain genre type and it's, it evolves as the songwriters in our society it, evolves
2: it does evolve but I think also um, a lot of younger listeners um, their their qualifications of, of genre are different than ours so you know uh, Ladies of the Canyon we did a lot of Stephanie's Rock we did a lot of those kinds of things we would pull out Led Zeppelin tunes and um, some Fleetwood Mac covers and and it was funny because you know we we played a Fleetwood Mac song and somebody was like oh that's a country song i went no it's not <laughs> <laughs> what era are you from that you think that 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 Fleetwood Mac is country you know like that's really strange but i kind of i guess it kind of dawned on me that i i i suppose in the in the modern context that's what kids are identifying as more of a country sound and less of a pop sound or less of a classic rock sound they don't peg it the same way that we do
1: that we is do. true I mean, I've, I I've actually seen that happen too I forget which band it was and I remember growing up to it and I was like oh my gosh like that's that's rock it's almost like on the verge of hard rock but it was labeled country <laughs>
2: yeah there is a lot of that but i mean you know labels i guess are going to change and we can try to fight it as much as we want to but i don't know if that's going to help the cause at all i think so long as people some people are enjoying it i suppose I,
1: I it's good enough you know that's true as long as we know what to peg it as and get it in there i mean great now you took yeah. some time off after the ladies of the canyon um was that decision to take a break um, difficult to do with because you were starting to meet with some marketing success? Is that right?
2: Well, I mean, yeah, yes and no. Uh, ladies the canyon, we we were together for a good ten years and gave it a good go. and uh, and we sort of got somewhere, but we didn't get as far as we wanted. and I think that the as the band continued to progress, we could see all of the there were four of us. Made up the core of that band, and, and things were starting to get pulled a little bit in each direction. And it sort of, we just kind of went, we all want different things, and then it kind of fizzled out. So, um, for after that happened, I had to think long and hard about what I wanted to do. <laughs> I kind of, well, do I really want to be in music anymore? Do I really want to keep going on this? What do I want to do? I was kind of lost. And uh, it took me a while to come back around to it. And ultimately this record was, it's called Love and Disaster because it's its about music kind of ruining your life. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you just, you can't get away from it, you yeah. know, like uh, I wish that I had the drive to be a lawyer or uh, a, a, an EMT or an accountant or something, but I, I don't, and I know that I will be profoundly unhappy. I'm still, you know, I still have my ups and downs in, in this career, but at least my artistic visions are being met, and... You know, I, 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 speaking to a fellow artist, I think you could probably understand where that's coming from. It's, it's
1: I hard absolutely to not do. What do. We love. Yeah, and I just had actually, just before uh, the show started, I had a uh, another artist down in the United States text me. And she she's had a really rough day. And she said to uh-huh. me... Um, do you ever get frustrated and want to quit music? <laughs> I just laughed. I said daily, daily. Yes. Yep. You know it's yep. it, but you're right. When it's your calling or your vocation, and, and it's it's like you you can't quit it because it's who you are. You know it's it's like quitting you. It is, but
2: I think that that's something that's helped a lot in the in the last um, two years is really defining what success means to me right instead of what success means for you know a a record label
1: exactly Uh,
2: which is why I released this record on my own completely independently I didn't want to have to answer to anybody else I didn't want to have to say yes to tours that were going to take me away from home for two months at a time um not with a young kid at home, you know? Yeah. It's, I, um, yeah, I, success for me is I'm just trying to find a way to monetize my art enough that I can be comfortable. I don't have any grand illusions of being some massive star. That's not the goal. I really want to make the music that I believe in, that's real to me
1: i'm so glad you said that because that is one of the things that um when i'm talking to other artists and and they've asked me that question too and i said well it depends on your on your definition of success what do you find is successful and there's so many of us we really don't care about the fame for fame's sake it's is you want to be well known enough for the music that you have a fan base that's going to su- support it enough to say, "Hey, we want more," and you can, uh, you know, you've got the financial ability to go and do it again. <laughs> yes, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> that's easier said than done, but we know that
2: it, it is. Yeah, but that's that's a bit of the difference of uh, the format changing now, where um we used to we used to tour. We, what does my friend used to say? He said we used to support a record by touring. Now we tour to support a record. Like the things have inversed because we don't make money off of a record anymore. We only make money off of live shows.
1: That's so true, and I want to I want to bring this point up with you because we had Molly Johnson on Carlos Coffee House um, a few weeks ago. Oh, she's and fantastic. Isn't she wonderful? She's
2: fantastic. Oh, Absolutely.
1: She was such an inspiration. And one of the things that uh, she said in her uh, long experience in this industry was that, you know, CDs really don't sell for her anymore. And they, mm-hmm. she kind of uses them as a business card, something to sign because they're small and fairly, you know, um, accessible money-wise for people to purchase. But it's vinyl. Now, ha- uh, are you investing in the vinyl aspect, seeing so you know that that's going to grow? I didn't
2: invest in vinyl, not for this record. I made CDs, um, sort of as that calling card kind of thing, but also just because at live shows, people still buy them. But I, I have to say that people buy T-shirts more than they buy CDs. If you've got a great T-shirt design, you'll make more money doing that than you will selling your music, because everybody is basically streaming on Spotify or Radio or whatever, um, whatever service that they have in their specific countries. But
1: And that's the other uh, crazy spot right there is even though, um, and I, I know some artists very well who have basically said that they will not be putting their uh, music up on streaming because of the fact that we really don't get paid well for streaming. <laughs>
2: I agree with you 100% on that, uh, or these artists, rather. I, I, um, I'm I a bit torn about it myself because from other people that I've spoken to, they say, well, you need to be on Spotify because that's how you're discovered by so many people because they'll pop up on as uh, suggestions or things like that. It's like, yeah, but people know who I am, maybe. I might reach a little bit of a fan base, but... It's still not going to help me if they're only spinning one or two songs that pay me point zero zero three eighths of a cent
1: per spin. Yeah.
2: So, and that's not the consumer's fault by any means. Like, I think that the the format of Spotify is absolutely genius. I think that it's really a wonderful concept, and I I had this conversation with some of them. Record labels way back in the day saying, why don't you guys create your own streaming service? which would have been really great because I think we wouldn't be in this position now if Sony Music had their own and the Warner Music had their own. And you know, if everybody had their own streaming service, it would be a little bit like Netflix and Crave TV and Hulu and Amazon Prime. Like you can purchase a subscription to Warner Music and have access to their catalog for $10 a month. I think that we would have a chance to get paid for the music that we've made.
1: That is such a good idea. I don't know why they didn't even, you know, they should have done it. <laughs> we <Well, laughs> should be their marketing person.
2: Nobody listened to me when I brought it up <laughs> 10 years ago, so or even 12 years ago now. So, you know, <laughs> we missed it. We missed it now. it's the. I don't think it's developed enough now. Maybe the, the television side of it is being developed, but I don't think the music is.
1: I artists, you know, even us artists, we should, you just gave me an idea. Now I'm going to throw this one back at you. You know, we do have artist organizations and whatnot, like uh, unions and things like this. Why don't we do it for ourselves and pay ourselves?
2: Good question. I've been having this conversation with a whole bunch of people, but I think unless all of the big names pop up and start standing up for it, it's like uh, it's like any other union. If people go on strike and pull their music, then there's always going to be the scabs coming up underneath. Yeah. So um, I think it makes it really hard, unless you can get everybody on the same page. I don't think it's going to give us that much uh, pull. I think that it's going to have to come down to some big legal battle.
1: I think you're right there, too. And there there is movement in that area. I'm not very well versed in it yet, I've, I've but I have seen that there has been some you know challenges to the way things are done right now for artists so we do have those voices speaking on our behalf it's just things take so long to change in this world anyway when it comes to money
2: <laughs> oh absolutely and it really takes a long time to change the music industry too
1: and it's really standing on it ted i mean we're living in such a wonderful time because i wouldn't be able to do this radio sh- station or this show even um, without the technology that's made streaming available, um, I can grab your music. I don't have to bug you every day, like because I lost a file. Um, yeah. it's You know, it's made it easier that way. Um, but there is there is the challenges. Now, I want to ask you something um, regards to um, where where have you found that your music has been the most received or the the most welcomed in canada u.s do you have little pockets where you you're finding a fan base um well
2: for this record uh there's been a bit of a mix i've had a couple of uk stations picking things up i've i did um um, radio promotional package and trying to get a little bit of a foothold here and there. But I did an international package rather than trying to focus on Canada. Um, I was a little bit frustrated with Canadian radio because we don't have uh, we don't have a AAA format here. So when it comes to radio, it's either completely indie or completely commercial. Yep there's very little leeway in between whereas if you go into the United States there are all of the top 40 stations and all the top new country stations but then there's all of this AAA radio all the way through and I could have focused a little bit more there but I, I didn't try there because they don't pay the same for royalties so this is where my shrewd business sense is taking over where I'm focusing my energies on things going well If I'm going to invest in advertising and marketing, where am I going to put that money? I'm going to put it in the place where the, the country that actually respects the artists enough to pay them for the work that they've done. Artists in the U.S. don't get paid performance royalty. So it's a bit different, unless it's on satellite radio, but for terrestrial radio, they don't. So for pockets of success, well, I haven't really been touring this record either. So that's also my bad. I've been I've been trying to do everything on my own and I was working so hard on making my record that I didn't plan the tour to go behind my record and then when I called all my former booking agents, nobody's available to do anything anymore.
1: Isn't that the fun thing right there? Booking uh, agents.
2: Awesome. <laughs> so you always have to go through a middleman every everywhere you're gonna go. Everything is there are gatekeepers on every front. It's kind of crazy. So, uh yeah, I mean, I don't know, I'm getting I'm getting a little bit of play in Europe but I'm I though the one that was really exhilarating for me was in Johannesburg, South Africa. I thought that was really cool. They were super excited about the track, about the single and wanted to hear the record. And I was like, Wow, this is really awesome. I don't think I've ever had my music go that far. So it's really cool.
1: Yeah, that's That's what, and that's what really makes it for us is when, you know, it is getting spread out there so far and into other cultures and people say, hey, yeah, it's good stuff.
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's exciting.
1: (laughs) Now, when you said that you did this one all by yourself, basically, so you you, you self-financed, I'm sure, this album, right? And everything that's going with it?
2: Well, not entirely. I did get a grant from the government of Quebec. There's, um, um, it's called the Conseil des Arts et Lettres de Quebec, and it is uh, literally the Council of Arts and Letters of Quebec, and they fund different artistic projects in film and writing and dance and theater and music, and so I applied for a grant and I received partial funding for this record which really really helped i couldn't have done it without them but then yeah everything else is out of pocket so it's a bit bananas and it's kind of terrifying because you're pouring thousands of dollars into something where where there's no promise of return uh anymore especially since cd sales are non-existent now yeah So it's, yeah, it's like you're figuring out, you're trying to figure out the business side at the same time as making the art, which is really 100% less fun, (laughs) at least for me. And you know that social media is supposed to be so important for these things, and I'm so bad at it, it's not even funny. I don't know if that's the generational thing or just where I'm at in my life right now. You know, I've just turned 40, and I was like, I have no desire to be on Facebook or Instagram and Twitter. And that's exactly what you need to do to put yourself out there for everything. But I feel like when I go on these things and look at other people's advertisings or, or band pages and things like that, I get annoyed when people post too much. Yeah. I I don't want to hear from you more than once a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. tell me all the great things in your week and go in one post great done okay but otherwise it's you're being bombarded with things every day by like i did this and i had this really great sandwich and coffee today while we were out on tour and we're doing this and you know okay there's there's more allowance when you're going out on tour and there might be more fun things that are happening but i don't need to hear about The whole way around maybe that's just me i don't know maybe the fans have a different perspective maybe i'm just jaded because i've done enough touring (laughs) and and i'm getting old and i'm having my get off my lawn moment i don't know
1: (laughs) (laughs) well you know what i I've, i've struggled with that i'm um we actually started to partner with um a promotional uh company in the usa and um we were talking about this a little bit and I said, you know, I don't know what to do sometimes. Um, If I don't post all the time, at least once a day on my page, people start dropping off the page. It's like they're waiting for me to say something. But if I post too much, they drop off the page. So I don't know if it's about my... How many times I'm posting, what I'm posting, or if people just have fake accounts and they're all deleting them at the same time. <laughs>
2: there, there is a lot of fake accounts that are constantly getting purged now. I do know that much, but I know that um, Facebook is down generally. Your reach is down because they want the artist to pay for all of the advertising. Oh, yeah. So where we used to have a really great reach and things would go out organically, uh, that's really no longer the
1: case no it's very very difficult and but it still can be done it's harder I know even with the radio station trying to you know just get the word out there I said I'm paying enough out of my own pocket to do you know promoting everybody else I said I'm not paying Facebook another dime <laughs> yeah, it gets a little
2: bit. It gets a little bit overwhelming sometimes with it the Facebook stuff yeah. because they they uh, they keep wanting thirty dollars here, seventy five dollars there. Oh, and you might reach up to this many people, but then it's really not getting there, yeah. or it's getting to the same people over and over again. And that's what I keep seeing. Like I have friends who are releasing records and promoting tours, and I'm like, why am I seeing your ad on my my Facebook page ten times? in the hour like this is kind of ridiculous it's concentrated for these the wrong people it should be you know a broader reach and I should only see one of your ad not ten of them so it's I don't know I I also think that things are kind of changing too I feel like people are paying a little bit less attention to Facebook and Instagram um I I don't know what the next big thing is I know that maybe millennials are into Snapchat or I don't know, what is that still a thing, Snapchat? So I'm showing that's my age so here. Is it? Yeah. Maybe people will start engaging in real life again.
1: <laughs> <sighs> that's the
2: hope. <laughs> I mean, I love the internet. It's wonderful and I still love being able to communicate with people all the time. But man, is it really nice to just go and have a conversation face to face instead of seeing what somebody is doing you know that sugar coating it all on on instagram or facebook with all the filters and everything like that
1: i think you're right i think there is going to be it's it's like any it's like christmas you know you you wake up in the morning and all those presents are there let's pretend anyway that all these presents are there <laughs> and you open them up you know you there, there's the excitement of it and you use it for a while then it just becomes old it's 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 lacking something and uh it's that whole relationship that's built around that season you know the family dinners and visiting your friends and that's what ends up you know you you clue into that that's what's really important in the end and i think social media is going through the same growth spurt right now where it became it was new it was exciting everybody was like wow i could talk to anybody but there's so many drawbacks to it now and I find that there's a lot less. Well, maybe it's just my Facebook, but I find that there's a lot less social on it now, and a lot more business. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. I I just use it. I just use it for like, hey, I want to tell you something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't really want to talk to you. I just want to tell you something. And then if you like it, great. If you don't, pass it up. But it it does seem to be uh, going through some stages. And I mean, we've seen a lot of. Um, I was actually listening to somebody else's podcast the other day that did say that Snapchat um, was being it's probably going to die because Instagram now knows how to do the Snapchat thing and they put that into Instagram and it's squeezing Snapchat right out of the market. So it's vicious. Oh, is that what stories is? I think so. I'm not sure.
2: I'm too old to understand what stories is. Doesn't make any sense to me.
1: <laughs> well, I'm older than you, so let you know, go figure.
2: <laughs> oh, We're all the young people to explain to us what how to use these contraptions.
1: You know oh, a lot of the young people that I know and, and the youngest one I, I should say that fills me in on a few things, um, is about twenty. And he doesn't do any social media whatsoever. He stays away from it completely because of the drama. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. I do too. So he can't even tell me a few things. He knows what stuff is because he's, you know, that age group that he hears about well, that's,
2: it. What, what is this next age group now? Uh, is, he's not a millennial anymore if he's 20 years old. No. A, is he Gen Z or I? I don't even know what you would qualify
0: that as.
1: You know, you gotta My worry son. about it when we we put names on generations. It's like old models of cars, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Z28.
2: <laughs> oh geez. Well, I'm not even. I fall in between millennials and Gen Xers. I'm in this weird. There's like a seven or ten year gap in there. But not even, actually. It's, like, from 1972 or 74, maybe 74, to, to 80 or 81. And it's, like, this weird little gap where we're still... We were there when the Internet was being created, and we learned how to use things, but it was before the days of social media. So we still remember playing outdoors and having... Interactions, which I think is maybe why I'm so bitter and, and jaded about about the social media. Like I remember when we used to talk to each other. Uh, I sound so old and crotchety right now. Uh, but um, I think that maybe the younger generation is starting to realize that, and maybe that's that's interesting. Maybe millennials are also growing out of the social media craze, which. I mean, they're the ones that really created the frenzy, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I think so. And and somebody yeah, told me... they're all me.
2: having babies and, and growing up and, you know, yeah. getting careers. So <clears throat> they're moving on to different parts of their life.
1: I know that uh, some some of the young ones, like between 19 and, and 22 anyway, they have... Th- there's a big movement here anyway that they're... They're not into what the older generation like my generation and and above and probably even your generation which was, you know, you know how we had the linear where you went to school, you graduated, you went this is this is your life how it should go. You go to university or college, you get trained in something, then you got married and you had kids and you had the house yeah. and you then you retired. They're not interested in that. They're interested in living that a life with freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was
2: still being pushed on us, too. <clears throat> but I think um, while it was being pushed on us, I, I know a number of people who rebelled against that notion and sort of broke away from that and have chosen not to have kids or have chosen unconventional paths and you know sell everything and just live in some remote town in China or something for a few years until you decide you want to go to Mexico or... France, Or, you know, they're, they're a little bit more free. But um, I grew up with fairly conservative in, in a fairly conservative environment in, a, in rural Ontario. And it's a lot of that stuck still. Yeah. Of, Get an education, you know, go to university, get your job, do this. But I was the black sheep and I was the youngest and, and I, I kind of, I'm still the one that I know that my parents are worried about the most, <laughs> the, the most unstable when it comes to finances. I'm the artist, you know, I Yeah. Have <laughs> scientists, mathematician brothers and, and I'm, I'm the one that's, they're always going to be worried about.
1: I like to you say know? that the... I've disappointed them well because they expected it of me and I fulfilled that prophecy.
2: <laughs> me too, me too.
1: But you know, they it's funny too because my son, um, he's an animator and when he was really tiny, like he was barely a year and a half and he started drawing everything he's seen, like he was doing cartoons and and I said, well, you know what, I'm not going to do what was done to me because I knew that um, I had these hopes and dreams and things that I felt that I was good at, and but they didn't bring the money. They And nothing I ever did really brought the money. But I said, you know, I'm going to encourage him to do what he loves to do. He ended up um, going to school for animation, and uh, he ended up working with, uh, I think it was DreamWorks or Pixar. I can't remember which. Uh, through a third-party company in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and uh, wow. yeah, and he said to me one day, he said, "Mom, thank you for supporting me in what I love to do," and that was the biggest thrill of my life to hear those words <laughs> because it's. I was glad that I I did encourage him because he ended up coming into that age when technology was available and. He didn't have to be in California or Florida or yeah. wherever, you know, it was possible to have these things happen for him. Yep. He's in Halifax now? No, he's actually now he's in Fredericton, New Brunswick, and he's still doing what he loves to do, animation. Wow. Yeah. But he won't make a cartoon of me. I want him to make a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> I have a cartoon of
2: me. You First, do? I'm, yeah, there's a music video that that uh, Ladies of the Canyon released, where it's partly live, partly live uh, tour footage, and then partly were, were, like cartoon superheroes. It's called "Let's Take the Night." It's one of the one of the singles from our second record. If you look that up, "Let's Take the Night" official music video, it barely got any traction, unfortunately. But I just love that I've been immortalized as a cartoon, and I look like Shira. Princess of power. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> it's fun. <clears throat> now, um, are you living in Montreal right now? I am. Mm-hmm. I just bought a house here. Um,
2: not, not, but not off the money that I make. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Someone else is smart woman.
2: My, my husband, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it's a mutual, it's combined effort, it's it's, it's family.
1: <laughs> That's right.
2: And he is my drummer, so technically I employ him, so, you know.
1: <laughs> well, there, now see, you've got it, I love your, the way your mind works.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the place that he makes all of his money is doing renovations and you know, fine carpentry and things like that. But you know, it's his his first love is drums and music, and eventually we'll build a studio in the basement, in our tiny basement. But it's a tiny house in Montreal, and we're we're making it work. We have like uh, it's a duplex, so we have tenants on the top floor, but we have about seven hundred and fifty square feet of living space. So it's not you know big and grand by any means but it's uh it's ours at least and it's my retirement fund so as long as we can make the mortgage payments every month i'm sort of balancing things around that of what i can invest in my music and when i can hire a manager or a social media manager or a radio tracker or you know all of those things it's it's sort of like a, every month you kind of go what can I afford to sink money into to try to further my career and I work it. I work from home every day writing songs and trying to get things done but it's a lot of I feel like it's a lot of chasing my own tail
1: yeah I hear you at
2: this point and you need you need a manager to make things happen and you need a booking agent to make things happen you need all of these things to make things happen but You can't afford to do it if you're not going to go out for 200 dates of the year. And I'm just not willing to do that because I can't be away from home for 200 dates a year because then my husband wouldn't be able to raise our son on our own without having my kid in daycare all the time. And I I wouldn't be able to have him on the road with me either. Mm -hmm. And he is my drummer because I would have to be generating enough income to pay the mortgage. You know, it's like this non non-ending spiral of things where you're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, how are we going to do this? It's like, it's a logistical nightmare. But, um, again, I'm just trying to find ways to, I'm trying to find a way to, to monetize my art so that I can bring in, um, something every year without having to go bust. You know, I don't want to explode my family for the sake of my music, but I don't want to forsake my art for my family either. I think it needs to be a balance. Like, if I don't pursue my dream, what kind of an example am I setting for my child?
1: Plus, you'll be unhappy inside. You'll just be unhappy and you won't have anything to give.
2: Yeah, but it does sound a little woe is me. You know, like, I realize I chose a really hard path in life. This is really bananas, and this industry is... Been going through some crazy, crazy times for the last twenty years. It's been it's and it's still a really rocky road ahead of us. Nobody really knows how this is gonna go. So artists like The Weekend, I was just reading an article today about the you know, the weekend out of Toronto? Yes. Big pop pop guy. He was Calling out Spotify, and I think he's backing out of a deal that he was supposed to have with them because they're not paying enough, and it's, they're not compensating the artist for the work. Blah blah blah. I was like, yeah, absolutely. But then you read the comments underneath that of how people feel about him. Like, whoa, that's what he decided to do with his life, and like, <laughs> it's very unsympathetic. I'm like, you guys are missing the point. You know, it's that he's not he's not upset with the consumer. He's upset with them because they're not actually paying. And what he's doing is he's standing up for all of the artists. He is calling it out. He is trying to draw attention to it, which is a really good thing because if I spend $10,000 to make a record and I can never make back the money that I put into my record, but some executive at... uh, streaming site is making $150,000 a year on a paycheck. What's wrong with this picture?
1: Exactly. And that's what that's what we're all concerned about. You know, it, it does it is very costly to put out this type of art and it's not cheap. And I I don't know. People are are I find they're very easily offended today about everything. You know, you blow your nose the wrong way and that's just like wrong. <laughs> Sorry, I just used that. there just nothing.
2: No, I hear you.
1: Yeah, and I it's hear it's difficult, and um, but that's what needs to be done. And if like my sister's a nurse, um, and I've got uh, um, a grandson that's you know he's he's heading into being a teacher, and oh my word, like we think our we are, we do we are in probably the toughest industry, but when mm-hmm. you see these folks. There's nothing protecting them either. I mean, they can be going to work one day, and the next day it's a layoff. And if you're in healthcare in Canada, where are you no. gonna go? Yeah. I mean, it's government funded. <laughs> yeah.
2: <clears throat> yeah, um, but I think that there's more promise of a paycheck or a pension rather. True than, enough. Than, you know that we have no pensions. There's nothing here for us
1: no We're we would have to actually register as a yeah we'd have to register as a build uh, you know and and making an, you know bring in enough cash co- consistently to be able to pay into our pension ourselves yeah <clears throat> which
2: is tough to do I mean but everything is going that direction now more and more um, everywhere you go everything is contract work you know from consultants in aviation and whatever but everything is now based on contracts, because there is less and less of that. That's a whole political spiel of our big mess of a, of a country and planet. planet. <laughs> you said that Did so politely.
1: That was so nice. <laughs> I know. Um, well, you
2: know, it's, it is what it is. I have my thoughts on how to fix it, but I, I think that ultimately I don't want to fight with people on things. I think... We, we've. This is again coming back to the idea of social media. I think it's kind of ruined us and created a massive divide. Yeah, uh, and it just furthers the the notion that there's a left and a right. And here's the thing: nobody thinks they're the bad guy.
1: Yeah, that's the truth.
2: Everybody thinks that they have it figured out and that they're on the right side of things, and we can't. We can't have conversations with each other anymore because people get too upset. And so instead of getting to the part of the problem finding out what we see eye to eye on in small increments and trying to work our way towards resolving the issue, we just sort of dig our heels in and say, no, I'm into this. No, you believe in that. And, nah, and people fight. And then you have social media just feeds the monster too because it all feeds whatever you whatever sites you follow they just send you more of those kinds of ads and that kind of news and they feed the beast and all of that kind of stuff is it's not based in really great journalism either it's That's completely right. biased so they just feed you with more bias and then we create more and more of a divide and we can't we can't talk to each other we can't connect with each other so you know, I have my political opinions on things, but I do try to stay out of that a little bit for the sake of...
1: Sanity. And,
2: well, sanity, but, but trying to hope that my music can bring people together to some degree. I mean, I don't know, maybe my next record will be some crazy, angry political rant, so maybe I've just shot myself in the foot there, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
1: Well, I know that question has come up to me before because, you know, when I first started this, well, you know what folk was like, folk was the, you know, music of the people and you talked about things that mattered to, you know, the common person, right? And, uh, they, I had written this one song and, um, they asked me what the meaning was and I didn't want to tell anybody what it meant because it would have started a racket. So I just Mm -hmm. said, oh, it's just, you know, me doing what I do and, (laughs) watering it down because i really um i in my because i feel like you with that because i want to i have an opinion yes but i know everybody else does but i'm trying now at this point in my life is to um open up the mind so that people can think for themselves because my goodness we're it's shoved down our throat what to think or react to all the time instead of you know go towards and I'm hoping that I, my writing actually puts that out there a little bit. But you know, um, some days I wonder if there's any point to it whatsoever.
2: <laughs> oh, I know. I share that. I share that thought. But it does. It it. There is a point to it, and it does make a difference. Um, it makes a difference. Like this this record that I wrote, I the way that I wrote this record was I did nothing but write lyrics for it. <laughs> and i had a whole bunch of friends or a whole bunch i had five friends who came in and co-wrote they did all the music they did the melodies and the chord changes behind it because i needed to i needed to find my voice i needed to find out who i was outside of ladies of the canyon yeah and i needed to call my friends to do that because it was the only way for me to get back into music which tortured me so much and i didn't want to just keep writing the same song and I, I had had a horrible experience with some people in toronto that i was trying to write songs with and it just wasn't working and i was fighting about words and meaning and messages and songs and um this one guy made me so angry because it's just, it just doesn't matter if you want to be on radio it doesn't matter it's, songs are about nothing and I'm like yeah you're right I guess a lot of top 40s music is there's not a whole lot of message to it there's not there's not a lot of meaning to it and um I was affected by that deeply and I needed to go and pay careful attention to what I wanted to say so I took the time and I locked myself up for about six months and I just wrote I wrote poetry I ranted um, I just I just wrote, I just let it flow without having to connect it to a melody in that time and the end result was having a collection of work some of it is more impactful than others and some of it is more silly or whatever because I was in a sillier mood um, but I've I, I, Get this thing from a lot of women connecting to the lyrics going wow I identify with this so much at the state that I'm at in my life I'm noticing that women from about 35 to 55 are coming up to me going yes I connect with this so much the way that you speak about yourself the, the moments that you're having they identify with that so when when people ask you about that and you're going you know what is it what is it worth or what should, you don't know if you want to share it with them it's it's worth it to share what you're doing and to put those words out there you don't always have to explain the full meaning of everything let them take what they want from the song
1: yeah that's that's so true and that's that's such a good point to to end this uh show on today and i want to thank you so much for being with us and i've I always love having guests on the show because i learn learned so much from all of you. Now, can you tell people, when they want to get your music, how? what's the best way to do it for you?
2: Oh, geez. Well, I guess it would be trying to find me on, on iTunes or or Apple Music to buy it. I mean, if you must, you can go to Spotify. <laughs> uh, I've also chosen a terrible name. Um, because so many other people call themselves satellites, so I'm really hard to find. If you look for me, you need to look for Satellites of Montreal on Facebook or satellitesofmontreal.com, and you'll find my Instagram, my Twitter, and um, Facebook links all on there. And you can, there will be links on there, hopefully, if I did it right, to, to buy uh, the album Love and Disaster on iTunes or stream it on Apple Music, or or listen to it on Spotify. But the record is called Love and Disaster. I go by Satellites. You can find me at satellitesofmontreal.com.
1: Perfect. So if you didn't catch that and you want to um, find out more information, you can shoot uh, HGB Canada off an email. HGBroadcasting.com is our website. And our email is Radio, all one word, at gmail.com. And we'll help get you to any of the artists that have been on the show. We'd be happy to do that for you. Jasmine, I want to thank you again for joining us tonight. I learned so much. And uh, send me an email because I have some ideas for you that can maybe help you out a little bit. I would love that. Awesome. And um, we're going to head out with another Montrealer song. So I I need more of your album. I only have the one song. Oh, no. So um, this is a a young man from Montreal. So we're going to take it out on this. This is Simon Henley with Opia. Thanks again for joining me. All right, folks. We're going to take a little break here this week and we'll be back on sunday and hopefully we will have a new guest i don't even know what's going on i gotta go check this stuff out good night